Hey, Upper Feasters. Hope you're having a great day so far. I'm really pumped about this episode. I talked with Roger Mooking, the celebrity chef, restaurateur, television host, author, and award-winning recording artist. He is the barbecue god. He knows so much about barbecue. His palate is so refined. He eats the whole freaking globe for crying out loud. You might know him from a show, Man Fire Food, on the Cooking Channel. Man's Greatest Food, also on the Cooking Channel. I know him from back in the day on Heat Seekers, because as you know, I'm a spicy boy. Hey, Upper Feasters. Thank you so much for listening today. Today, I'm talking with Roger Mooking, celebrity chef, TV host, author, recording artist, and much, much more. Roger, what's up, man? I'm good, man. Just out here in Toronto chilling, you know? That's great. Well, thank you so much for doing the podcast. I'm a big fan. I'm sure my listeners are going to be pumped to hear what you got to say. We always like to start off with Feaster Pass. And since you're in Canada, I'm going to open up with poutine, feast or pass. <laughs> feast. Definitely feast big feast for sure. And then I know that you eat like top tier elite food all the time. You cook amazing food all the time. What about something a little more casual, like a Tim Hortons feast or pass? Um, it depends. I like the, the, the Timbits I get with the little Timbits. Yeah. Just, little Timbits sip up on a coffee and stuff like that. Yeah. But you know, I'm not, I'm not that highbrow when it comes, you know, I, I eat everything as long as it's they got some good tasty stuff to it, you know? That's cool. Fair enough. And since you are the barbecue god, I think this would be a funny one to ask you. The McRib sandwich, feast or pass? Uh, pass, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I don't even think it's really a rib. I think it's kind of like a like a hot dog mushed into a rib shape. I'm pretty sure that's what that is. Actually, I've seen where people who go online, like who work there and say, yo, if there's one thing I won't eat at McDonald's, it's the McRib. <laughs> <laughs> it's like employee, you know, so yeah, if the workers aren't eating it, you know, it's best to stay away. Um, Absolutely. So let's talk about some real delicious barbecue. Could you give me an example of like a really unique type of barbecue you've had? Uh, I mean, like, I mean, what is unique? You know, first, I guess it comes down to like description of barbecue. What is barbecue, right? So if you're like in, in Canada or in the northern states, uh, barbecue is like as long as you're cooking over a fire and a grill that could be pro propane, gas, charcoal, anything. You could be high heat grilling, low and slow um, in those parts that they call that barbecue. Right. But if you go to the south, if you say barbecue and, and region leaving, it's got to be low and slow. And then even more specifically, in some territories, they'll say, yo, it's got to be low and slow whole hogs only is barbecue, right? So nomenclature aside, uh, what are some of the most unique things I've had? I mean, that's a matter of perspective. You know, I eat the globe, so everything is on the plate for me. So I don't know what's what's unique or not, because it's a term of relativity, right? Yeah, that's true. And I guess pretty much everything could be boiled down to that because at the end of the day, it's like, what is unique and unique is definitely subjective. But I guess I just meant like, like I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and I lived in New York. When I think of barbecue, I just think of low and slow with barbecue sauce pretty much. And I usually think of either like beef or pork. So I guess maybe unique could mean like a certain unique sauce that's not super common or maybe a, a unique meat that isn't too common. Again, man, I eat the globe. So I've eaten everything from, you know, lamb, kangaroo, Oh, man. Uh, all different types of sauces of all kinds from gribiche to uh, herb sauces, like all, all chimichurri. So I don't know. I'm across the board, you know, vinegar base, ketchup base. Like I've, I'm trying, I think just about everything. Kangaroo barbecue definitely piqued my interest. How was that? <laughs> was it, was it gamey? Was it delicious? Like that sounds nuts. I actually, I, I ventured in as I was in Australia and you know, I was, was in Australia, they, they eat kangaroos. So I tried some kangaroo uh, burger because that's nice. what that menu had. 
Um, and you know, it's it's fine. It's nothing spectacular. Like, is it that much different than beef? Not not really. You know. <laughs> so, being that you you do eat literally the whole globe, what is like a basic meal for you? Like, if you're feeling lazy, you don't feel like leaving the house. Like, do you have a basic meal, or do you always go ham every time? Um, I I don't know basic. I, I don't cook the same thing twice. So, I mean, not exactly ever the same thing twice. So. What's a basic meal like? You know, just like rice. like a turkey sandwich, like a deli turkey sandwich, or yeah, like I, I do that. I do like <laughs> some rice with some Chinese sausage and with a fried egg over top. There's some soy sauce. That's really basic. Grilled cheese, pretty basic. Pasta, wonton soup, congee. <laughs> those are those are kind of my basics. You know. That's incredible, man. It seems like you're super casual and you're not a gatekeeper at all. Like you seem very open. Do you think that's a fair statement? Uh, I guess it depends who I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause I wanted to ask you, um, do you have any like things that must happen with barbecue in your opinion? Like, do you have any like strongholds like this must happen or this must not happen? No, you know, like I said, it's like really comes to a, a nomenclature de- definition thing in a lot of ways. Um, but I'm really adventurous, you know, I'm open to try all different kinds of things. And as long as people are using natural sources for all the ingredients and all the heat sources, I'm cool with that. You know, like don't throw chemicals on the fire because you taste it in the food. For sure. And so I noticed on your show, Manfire Food, that some of these pitmasters have super elaborate setups and procedures, and then others have super simple, but both seem amazing. So do you have any, like, are there any general truths to what make a, a great barbecue? I, you know, I think it really just comes down to like patience and, and passion because it is very grueling. It's one thing for a, a, a weekend warrior to like do a barbecue one day or Sunday and then, you know, maybe next Sunday they do something right. But to do a day in and day out, it's a lot, a lot of hours. It's a lot of dedication. You're constantly on the hunt for good wood that's dry and seasoned. So it's about that consistency and to get that consistency on a regular basis every single day when one thing you're cooking might take 17 hours. <laughs> you know, when are people sleeping and, you know, how is the staff rotating and all that stuff. So in terms of hard and fast rules, I think, and, and what makes it delicious is just that 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 real passion and that dedication behind it because because it is a grueling thing it really is and i think passion definitely shines through so roger i would love to know your origin story like i know it it seems like you probably just popped up overnight but was there something like that made you think like oh my god i finally made it or like this was a huge milestone for me is there something like you kind of knew like oh my god i'm doing it um well you know man i've been in the entertainment industry for 30 years now you know um when i was like 15 i started making records and i got well known for making records in canada and um touring all over and doing all that stuff and working in restaurants and then music kind of dominated my calendar for a long time then i went back deep into the food and beverage industry and working in restaurants and um, all that stuff. And then, you know, and still making records and like helping people like do uh, music for films and different things like that. So I was always dabbling both like that. The food media and the restaurants thing started to take off and and I continued to do that with the restaurants and the different TV shows and then albums and stuff. So, um, you know, I think that just as a creative person, you're never really satisfied or feel like you've made it. You're always on the cusp of trying to do something really great the next time. So even though I'm working on something today, I'm always working mentally on the things 10 years down the line sort of thing, you know, and kind of striving towards that. So, you know, I never, you never think you make it as a creative person. 
Yeah, that, that's true. And it's unfortunate because so many people probably think they, like most people probably think you have made it, but I totally understand creators work is never really done. Um, yeah, that was never done, man. It's just <laughs> something else to create every day, you know, and whether somebody uh, celebrates it and gives it accolades or industry does or not, it's the same amount of work I put into something that, you know, maybe two people know about, you know, so uh, it's really just about the work. Hey, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening so far. If you're liking it, please subscribe, tell a friend. If you're loving it, please give us a five-star review. That's incredible. And I, I find it amazing that you do literally everything. You're a chef, you're an author, musician, TV host, and you have a wife and kids. Like, how do you possibly find enough time for all of this? Well, you know, I, I work a lot. I get up 99% of the time, long before the sun gets up. I bang out stuff, and I'm that person sending emails four o'clock in the morning and making things. Uh, but you know, I have a great team around me. There's a great team of people around, and in every project, there's teams in every project. So whether it's a restaurant, there's a uh, a team there that's responsible to that project and we work collaboratively when it's an album there's a team there when it's a tv show there's a team there uh whatever it is that we're doing cookbooks um clients you know there's teams in every silo that that run that and then you know my management and i we we kind of manage those balls on a day-to-day and then I, i'm executing with with my direct team as well so you know, you build teams, man. Nobody's is a, a monolith like that, you know? True. Teamwork makes a dream work. That is a fact. For sure. I think it's really interesting you say that you you never cook the same thing twice. Like, does that mean one day you put salt on it, one day you didn't, one day you put pepper, one day you didn't? Because I feel like there's only a, a finite number of things you can cook. Well, no, this is not true. There's an infinite number of things you can cook if you eat the globe, right? So, um, you know, and, and it's not to say like I don't make waffles, twice, but I don't make them exactly the same twice. You know, I might mix like buckwheat flour in with all purpose flour or mix three different types of flours or use butter or use coconut oil or mix those or, you know, so I'm always trying different things, trying different sugars, different vanillas, maybe add some lemon to it. Maybe, you know, so yeah, I'm, I will make waffles many times in my life, but they're not going to be exactly the same every single time, unless it's for a restaurant. Restaurant stuff's totally different. If you come and have our, let's say, our fried chicken at Twist and you love it, next time you come, you want it to be just as delicious and exactly as you remember it. So for restaurants, it's a different game. But at home, it's just constant experimenting and playing around, you know? Yeah, that's incredible. How does your family feel about that? Like, I imagine your kids, are, 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 they, are they picky eaters or they're into this? Um, well, you know, this is where individualism comes in, you know, that we make one meal, we, we're not one of those kind of families, it's like, oh, you want macaroni and cheese, you want pizza, I want curry goat, this one <laughs> wants pho, no, 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 it's not, we don't get down like that. We make one <laughs> dinner, one lunch, one breakfast, whatever it is, that's what it is, if you don't <laughs> like it, you're gonna have it for lunch, if you don't like it, you're gonna have it for dinner, so you're gonna consume it at some point. <laughs> Or you just be hungry for the until the next meal. <laughs> you know, like this is how it goes, man. We just we don't cater. And so over time you find that, you know, when one of my daughters is maybe five years old, she might not like a thing. But by the time she's 13, that same daughter loves that thing and requests it because we're just always trying different things and expanding their palate, you know? Yeah, that's that's exactly how I was raised. Like whatever my mom made, like that's what I was having. No ifs, ands, buts, maybes, whatever. And I think it did refine my palate. And, you know, if you're introduced to things several times, you're, you're going to eventually like it or at least learn to like it or tolerate it. 
Yeah, and you know, you might just find that you maybe don't like it in one form, but you like it in another form. Like I have a daughter who doesn't love coconut, but she's okay with coconut oil. She's also okay with coconut water. Um, and the soft coconut jelly she's okay with, but she doesn't like the hard flakes of coconut or, you know, certain coconut <laughs> flavory things, you know? So sometimes it's just the, the, the delivery method, you know? Of course. And I actually wanted to talk to you about, I love barbecue and I love potato chips, but I hate barbecue potato chips. So I can totally <laughs> relate. <laughs> Yo, I'm with you. I got, I got a problem with potato chips. I do like potato chips. Yeah, <laughs> But yes, I agree with you. No barbecue potato chips. Facts. Do Yo, you-, you know what I did the other day that was really cool? What's that? I took like just plain salt potato chips and you dip them in honey. You ever done that? No, but I would definitely do that. Um, <sighs> Especially like a nice sriracha kettle chip right in the honey. That sounds nice. Man, it was so good. I was just playing around. It was so good. Man, that's got to be so fun, like to be a professional chef. And like, if you get the munchies attack or if you're craving a certain thing and you can actually execute it well, like, does that feel great? I mean, that's all I know. You know, I've been cooking since I was like, since I remember myself, you know, one of my earliest memories is standing at the counter folding wontons. Um, So I've always kind of just learned and been around food and kind of had a sense of what to do with food. So, I mean, over the years, you get better and better and you work in restaurants and you open restaurants, you do that and you kind of refine those things. Um, But this, that's just what I know, you know, I want to make this, I'll figure it out, you know, and figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever been in front of the house? You seem like you'd be an amazing waiter. No, I don't have the tolerance for front of house, man. <laughs> Yo, I've seen, I've had to kick many customers out of my restaurant for being disrespectful to the staff. So um, I, I don't have the patience or the, or the countenance for that. If somebody says something offside to me, I, I'm going to check them out. I, don't, I really don't care. <laughs> That's a definite chef answer for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I lived in New York City, I worked at Times in Times Square I don't know if you're familiar with that place, but one of my favorite things about it was we were so busy. Management did not care. Customer was not correct. If a customer was rude to us, they never got their way. Like management always had our back. And I really love and respect that. It was awesome. Yeah. And you know, it's people, man. It's like, don't be coming in a restaurant looking to disrespect people or look down at the people who are serving you. They, They want you to have a great experience. So help them have you have a great experience, you know, like don't make it miserable for them and it won't be miserable for you. So, and that goes both ways. You know, you have that grumpy wait staff and, you know, things happen and it's life and Um, but you know, you got to also serve the customer. So it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, I think if we take the microcosm of that, the restaurant world and put it out into the real world, I think we could be a much better place if we had that kind of principle of hospitality truly, you know? Yeah, man, for sure. And I think if even like a college course or maybe like a senior year of high school course, if they made you be a waiter or a busser for even like two weeks, just to experience it, I think the world would be a much better place. I really believe that. I'm with you hundred <laughs> percent. So do you, do you have any unpopular food opinions? Unpopular food. What would that be? I don't even know where to be. Well, like so what? of course it's subjective, of course, but for example, one of my friends prefers to microwave his bread in the morning rather than put it in the toaster. And I think that's super weird and polarizing. <laughs> <laughs> um, or like my, you know, one of my cousins, she pours the milk first, then the cereal, like something as innocuous as that. Oh, really? Unpopular, unpopular food habits? Is that what you said? Yeah, or opinions. Like, is there anything that you tell someone maybe you like or you don't like and they're shocked? They're like, oh, you don't like this or oh, you like that? Like, is there anything like that? No, I can't think. If somebody likes something, they like something, man. As long as it's not hurting somebody else, I can't I can't go around 
<laughs> nothing wrong with that, but I can't think of anything at the moment. Like that's an interesting question. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and this one's probably another hard question for you, but would you say you have a top three regional style of barbecue? Top three regional style. I guess, you know, again, my perspective is the world, right? So um, I love Thai as a region. I love um, Jamaican barbecue as a region. I also love uh, Texas. Texas makes some good stuff over coals, and you know. <laughs> Dude, I've never had Thai barbecue. I gotta, I gotta check that out. Yeah, they make all kind of saute and mooping. It's like different sautés, and they do this like Thai boxing chicken. Like outside of the Thai boxing, they have these like uh, food stalls out out front. You can go after you go check the boxing. You come outside and they do like this chicken, and it's crazy, man. Dude, you know who makes a great chicken? Korean fried chicken. Big fan of that. You into it? Oof. Korean fried chicken? Oh yeah, I love the Korean. <laughs> Right. So, good, so crispy, double fried. It's madness. Oh, it's madness. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Being that you eat the entire globe and you have all these great foods, like, do you find that it's it's challenging to truly enjoy a new experience because your your expectations are too high? No, I don't come in with expectations like that, man. I'm just, you know, I'm low key. I just come in. It's I, I generally though, like if I'm traveling somewhere, I kind of got an inside scoop. You know, I'm fortunate. I know chefs like all over the world now, so I can hit somebody up and be like, yo, what, what's the spot in, you know, Melbourne? And somebody be like, okay, go to this place, this place, this place, and they'll be vetted. And I know they're going to be good. Um, Cause I, you know, I hate like if I'm traveling somewhere, um, it's been a while since travel, but when I'm traveling somewhere and you waste a good meal and you could have had a great meal, you know what I mean? Of course. So, uh, again, I feel very fortunate that I have the kind of inside scoop everywhere. So I never really run into that problem. <laughs> so, so no Yelp or Google for you. You just hit up your buddy like, Hey, where should I go? Generally, you know, and, and I kind of made enough of a network around the globe that it's like, if I don't know somebody in that city, I know somebody who knows somebody in that city, you know, so I can find my way around within 10 minutes and get the good, good inside scoops. It's incredible. So when it, when it comes to like a Yelp or Google, if you ever get a negative review, how do you, how do you handle that? Well, I, I kind of know some of the ins and outs of the, the, the racket of some of that infrastructure. So I don't put a lot of weight in that infrastructure. That's fair. And actually, I just want to say for my listeners and for you too, like when I look at Yelp or Google, I don't pay attention to the reviews. I look at the photos of the food because sometimes people will literally complain the whole review and give it four stars or they'll be so mean. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even look at them. Honestly, I don't even, I don't even look at them, man. I don't look. <laughs> fair enough. I know it's, this is probably another hard question for you, but do you have like a favorite restaurant or even like a top three favorite restaurants that you've ever been to? Uh, you know, in Jakarta, Indonesia, I was in a restaurant. I don't remember the name. I think it had the name Lotus in it. Uh, that place was just this incredible old building with like gardens and water features going through it and these beautiful rooms you kind of meander through and sit at this beautiful wooden tables, teak and uh, man, I, I got to tell you, some of the best food I had in my life was in that restaurant. Um, another really one of my favorite restaurants is a restaurant called Kayo in, in uh, New York, in Manhattan. It is uh, Loatian cuisine is incredible. Um, another one of my favorite restaurants in Toronto is a restaurant called Dai Lo. Incredible. Um, yes, yeah, there's a few. <laughs> yeah, man, that's great. Um, so being that you are in Toronto, is there like a top three specific Toronto's? Like if I, if me or if anyone was going to go to Toronto, top three must visit restaurants. Uh, you got to hit up Dai Lo. 
you got to hit up uh, Azure Kitchen and you got to hit up uh, Patria. Those are some good ones. And if you're on a, uh, you want kind of more basic North American food, there's a place called Maker's Pizza that's really great. Um, good, really good pizza. Um, but yeah, Toronto is like foodie central bonanza, man. It's like some of the best foods from all over the world you find right here authentically in Toronto because it's just so diverse and multicultural. Um, you find authentic Malaysian food, authentic Korean food, Japanese uh, that rivals, you know, the motherlands of all those places. So uh, I feel very fortunate to be in this area because it's just great. Yeah, it's a food hub, definitely. So when it comes to authenticity and specific cuisines, how do you feel about like fusions or people putting their own twist on it? Because some people get very offended if you alter anything. Like, for example, I made a pan, I made a carbonara on my Instagram and Italians were very upset. Like they were not having it. Like <laughs> did, one guy said his grandmother's rolling around in her grave, like all this stuff. <laughs> I personally don't care about that stuff. I think if it's delicious, it's delicious. What are your thoughts? You know, it comes down to evolution, right? Like at the end of the day, you you respect those traditions, but those traditions evolve and th those foundations are fundamental to that evolution. You know, if you look at it from the perspective of language, uh, the words and the language we use today are an amalgam of, of many different languages that are rooted in steep traditions, but that doesn't mean that the smiley emoji is less effective than saying the word smiling effusively right yeah. so that's the evolution of 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 food is just a, a representative of of just living day to day so yeah i respect the architects and i respect all that lineage and i think it's important to know that stuff but you know things evolve and change and one thing in life that you can guarantee is is change so if you're not willing to adapt to change you're gonna die yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Respect, respect the architect, but be willing to, you know, open your eyes and, and adapt. I think you hit the nail on the head. And another thing Just that don't I make it trash. Just don't, don't make it bad. Like, you know, <laughs> don't take a good thing and make it worse. You know, like <laughs> it's still got to be delicious and, and be respectful and, you know. Yeah, of course. I feel like and what I struggle to is like, say, oh, my grandmother made it this way. But what about my friend's grandma? You know what I'm saying? Like they could have like subtle little differences, even among just Ohio cuisine, which doesn't really exist. But like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You go to the South and somebody's like banana pudding, right? It's like my grandmother's banana pudding is better than your grandma's, but she does it this way. And, and they're using all the exact same stuff, like yep. pretty much, <laughs> but there's little tweaks and, you know, they live across the street and there's like banana pudding war, right? Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, humans are complex, man. For sure. Now, what about with mac and cheese? Do you breadcrumbs, yay or nay? I don't really think about mac and cheese very much. It's rare that I make Whoa. mac and cheese. Um, Shocking. You know, I grew up in a household, a West Indian household. So we make this thing called macaroni pie, which is effectively like a baked casserole mac and cheese. And some people put crumbs on top. Some people don't. But it's like this long cooked kind of mac and cheese casserole type thing so and then you let it cool a little bit and you cut it into squares you know and it kind of forms so that's the kind of mac and cheese i grew up eating that sounds southern style because yeah, i'm assuming you put eggs in there yeah there's eggs in there milk and there's all kinds of stuff in there <laughs> ketchup mustard hot sauce worcestershire sauce salt <laughs> pepper garlic powder nice. variety of cheeses all kinds of stuff in there but yeah you know like just experiment you know experiment man 
That's true. I never experiment in the kitchen. Every time I cook, I just follow the recipe exactly because I have no confidence in the kitchen. But um, that's okay. That's how you gain confidence, right? And after a while, it's like, oh, five years I've been following this recipe. Well, I kind of figured how to do the fish like this. So let me try, you know, and you take like bits and pieces from different recipes. And before you know, you make up your thing. And it, it may be a thing that's already exists in the world. It likely is, but you know, cooking shouldn't be intimidating, man. It's like a basic fundamental human skill everybody should have it of course and do you have any tips on an amateur chef like myself on how to refine my palate because like when I taste a seasoning I don't know what it needs more of like some people might be like oh that needs more cumin or that needs more whatever I have no idea what it needs more of uh I think you just have to try a lot of different cuisine just try a lot of different things to understand the effects of of different foods on on the palate um and then you'll kind of get that you build up an encyclopedia, a mental encyclopedia of flavors, right? And then so when you go to start building thing, when you're tasting, you know, close your eyes and breathe because the, 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 the olfactory system is you need to br bring the oxygen into your, your palate, right? So that and close your eyes and really focus your, your, your concentration on your palate and you'll see it opens up and you'll, you'll see what a huge difference that makes. But you know, you need that encyclopedia in the back of your mind as well. So again, this is why I eat the globe is just to be able to understand the expansiveness of, of potential of flavor. Oh my gosh. You just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So did, would, when you first started out cooking, when you were a teenager, would you say that your parents taught you how to cook or did you just kind of like, were you experimenting even then? Oh, as a teenager, I was already cooking by myself a lot. Like I was cooking dinner for the house, you know, like, but I was like cooking much younger, like six, seven, eight, nine, oh my gosh. nine, nine, eight years old. I was in front of the stove by myself kind of thing. Like, you know, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess I was surrounded by my family. You know, I've come from like this multicultural mixed family and we lived in many different kind of parts. So um, we just kind of absorbed ourselves and where we were and dove into those things and experienced them and also kind of honored the traditions of where we were born and came from and uh, bring those worlds together, you know, so uh, yeah, man, that's it. Dude, I think it's so cool. Your parents, uh, they, they let you cook as a, like a child. I think that's amazing. They trusted you. I think they're more like, good, we don't have to do it. <laughs> Fair enough, man. So when you when you were doing your your you were on the road for music, were you like a big foodie then even like would you try to find little cool hot spots before you had your your network across the globe? Would you like Google it or would you were you into that kind of thing? No, I mean, back then there's no Google, right? It was there was no Google. So you had to know the connect you were reading the reviews and stuff like that. But we we're so busy touring, like when you're a touring musician, you're up six in the morning doing the radio shows in the morning, and then you're doing press all day. And then you're going to do sound check in the afternoon. And then you go back do more press, hopefully you can catch a little nap, then you got to do meet and greets before a show, get ready for the show, do the show you know, have the, the crew loads out, then you're on to the next city. So you don't really have time to be diving around looking for stuff. But the record company would would ask, you know, what kind of stuff you like. And so they take you to the restaurants or do these like promo dinners and stuff like that. And they're uh, always trying to impress the artists. So they're trying to take them to the best spots, you know, so it was always through the record companies that we experienced the best food. That's amazing, man. I was, I was shocked to learn that you were a musician too. Like I, I knew about your chef and your TV hosting and you're, you're an author and all that. And you're a musician, like that's just, that's truly incredible, man. That you're a man of many hats and you're, that's just so dope. <laughs> I just like to make things, you know, and I just found that I had a, a acumen for understanding sound and flavor. So 
I kind of dove into those things and there's a lot of stuff that branches out off of sound and flavor. You've, you've done a bunch of great things and I, I feel like you can only find successes on the internet. So I'd like to ask you, was there something like a, a failure that you overcame and you kind of failed forward? Do you have any stories like that? Or has it been a pretty easy path for you? No, nothing is easy, man. It's like <laughs> I've failed many more times than I've succeeded. That is guaranteed, you know, but I look at it like a baseball player, right? If I'm a baseball player and I'm at bat, if I hit the ball 33% of the time, I'm like a really good baseball player, which means 67% of the time I'm failing. That's yep. a lot of failing. It is. <laughs> right? But you could be really, really successful off of 33%, right? Yeah. So I focus on trying to improve that 33%. Dude, that's incredible. I think that's going to help a lot of people. It's, that's awesome. So Roger, do you have anything big and exciting coming up? Can we? I know it's kind of crazy times right now, but do you have any big projects you're excited or that you can talk about? Man, I'm always working on stuff and uh, there's some really cool stuff on the go and, and that, that will be coming soon-ish. Um, but I don't like to talk about things before they pop, you know, uh, fair enough. I, I think there's a certain amount of combustible pressure that is necessary. Yeah, no, I get that. That makes sense. I asked you everything that I wanted to ask you, Roger, but I always ask my guests if there's anything I didn't bring up or anything you're chomping at the bit to say, now's your time to shine. No, I'm good. Just thank you for having me, man, out there in Columbus, Ohio, please, uh, spread the good word and the love out in Columbus, Ohio. There's some grimy stuff happening out there, man. And this love needs to be spread out there. Big, Absolutely. Big, big, you know? Well, thanks again for doing the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. And I hope you have a great rest of the day, man. All right. Thank you, man. You have a good Thank day. You. All right. Bye. bye. Hey, that was the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Hit me up if you have any questions. I, I love chatting with my upper feasters. And if you could please give me a five-star review, it would really help out. So go ahead and do that. All right. Peace.